welcome to Random Gaming Talk, it's Entertainment Talks podcast for video games. I'm your host Matthew, joining me today my co-host is Roberts. How are you today? I'm doing good. A little tired and a little sore. Um, I was finally able to find a job and get back to work, but just cool. made me realize how much of a big flat slob I became during this <laughs> lockdown because, man, am I in pain. But the aspirin should be kicking in any minute here, so that's fine. Cool. Well, glad you found uh, another job in these difficult times and whatnot. So, yeah, it's uh, pretty cool. Uh, what you been playing in the last week? Uh, I've been uh, making my way through Tsushima, as always. I'm still enjoying that. I'm on the last big mission before kicking into Act 3. Um, so I just kind of hit a, a weird stop point on that. I was just kind of, you know, doing little things, finding little fun stuff. I did pick up Grounded in Early Access on mm. Xbox. We talked about that a couple of times. It's not a bad game. It's very much an Early Access game. It's not buggy per se and i honestly did not intend that as a pun because you're at insect level <laughs> uh, but the, yeah. the game there's a there's a lot of excuse me a lot of clipping uh the loads are a little weird sometimes uh, the the instant start you know how like when you're in a game and then you go to uh like youtube or something and then you go back to the game and it's ready to start that only works about 20% of the time. Um, okay. That doesn't look like there's a whole lot to do, but they are, they're very, very upfront about this is early access for this game. But it's a cool game. It's a cool concept that I wanted to try it, so it's not like I'm feeling like I'm getting my money ripped off on it or anything. Right. Cool. Uh, yeah, I'm still kind of anticipating it um, to a degree, uh, and I'm quite interested to see what they've uh, what they got for it. So uh, how are you getting on with Ghost of, Ghost of Tsushima then? I've got most, not all the collectibles. I'm only about halfway done. I don't know if I'm going to wind up 100% of the game or not, just because there's a lot of collectibles in that. Mm. I mean, you got all the Mongol uh, artifacts, you got all the Inari shrines, you got all the temples, uh, you got the the thing that I can't remember off the top of my head, where it's basically just kind of like a little monument, um, hot springs, and... It's a lot of stuff. I mean, the game that kind of broke me on 100%ing for collectibles was uh, Sunset Overdrive because I think there's over a thousand of them wow. in total between all the different ones. So, yeah. hmm. cool. Uh, I've still been playing Ghost of Tsushima myself. Um, I've got kind of a love-hate relationship with it. Sometimes I really enjoy myself with it, and sometimes I'm like, okay, this is just this feels like a bad game. But then other times. I do really well and like the story picks up and does some cool stuff and I'm like okay this is really good and then like I get to a boss battle or something and then I'm I'm finding certain times I don't know if you found this before you know the red attack where you have mm-hmm. to dodge it sometimes I know I've pressed circle and my character Jin just hasn't done it in time and there was a particular boss fight that you do I can't really say who you fight because it's it would be a huge spoiler. Um, you might know who I'm talking about, but um, I, I went into that fight and I was like, okay, I'm just gonna you know go with this. And then sure, I died once or twice, and I was like, okay, fair enough. I don't really know um, their attack patterns and and things like that. And then the, I'm just finding whether it's like I'm pressing it a split second too late because sometimes that happens in games. But I feel like the red thing comes up, and not like every single time, but more often than what it maybe should. Jin just doesn't dodge that attack in time. I'm not sure, like, what's kind of going on there, but, um, because there's times where, like, a, a swordsman, 
will go to attack me normally. I'll parry him, be cutting him and whatever. And then a spear, a spear person, if for lack of a better description, they will try to then do one of their attacks, which usually are always non-blockable attacks. So I'll be in the middle of attacking. I'll see the other guy about to attack. And then I'll sort of dodge. And then it's almost as if like Jin can't take himself out of the animation of attacking in order to dodge in time I'm I'm sort of finding that um either that or you or I've got to like attack less and a dodge and dodge earlier I don't know but I, I don't feel like at certain points in those situations I'm being rewarded because I feel like I'm timing it right but I'm apparently not uh it doesn't happen every single time like if a if a, a spear person comes up to me on his own I'll dodge it quite often but it's sometimes like when, when you're in the middle of a bunch of people and that and you're attacking and you're trying to dodge the right ways and parry and then attack in a certain right way and then block their attack and that sometimes sometimes the game just gets a little bit messy um with that and I don't feel like um because I, I I think the last game I kind of played is similar to that was um maybe like Batman Arkham Knight like there were certain times where like you would have to dodge people in different ways and attack people in different ways and sometimes there'll be too many characters trying to do too many things and you you end up trying to do too many things as Jin, like you're trying to attack and then parry and then do the, the attack and do this and that, and the game just gets I, I don't know it, it sort of just gets a bit messy. Um, how are you finding it? Does yeah yeah I I totally agree with that. Uh, there's two ways to really combat that is to always have your kunai on you as an equipped to uh, just dodge out of a couple ways and just chuck them all out and that tends to break things up a bit. Yeah. Uh, as the second part, let me ask you this: Have you done any of the mythic tales yet? Maybe. Those are the ones I, I where done we one. have like the, the, the banners, how it has like Jin's tails and then tails of Tsushima, and then there's the ones that are in like a light blue. Um there's two that you want to go for on that. Um the one that actually helps out the most, let me find it here, is called uh The Spirit of Yarikawa's Vengeance. It's kind of protracted, you gotta do a lot of stuff uh to complete the tale. But when you get to the final boss in that, you'll unlock a super mood, a super mode, a uh, super move called the uh, Dance of Wrath. And to unleash it, you have to expend three uh, focus orbs. But by this time, you've probably got like six or seven, so that's not a big deal. And it's just kind of a five combo attack, and it just just cuts everybody down. Okay. And when you get into those big messy battles like that, you just just go hog wild with that, and it makes it a lot easier to deal with. Mm-hmm sometimes i do something a little bit different where if i notice if i'm running into a battle for different reasons um and i notice there's a lot of enemies clumped together i put one of the sticky bombs in there i, th- mm-hmm. I throw that because i've got the upgrade to where that doesn't make me dizzy or whatever anymore um so i throw that in there and then you know that stuns a bunch of them and then you can either do like quick little attacks or whatever so that that's a good kind of but that's before the battle starts not like while it's happening so, but I'll, I'll have a look out for what you what you've just um, talked about, and I'll see if I can uh, kind of upgrade from there and whatnot. Uh, other than those like kind of little combat problems, I'm I'm generally enjoying the game. But there's just certain points where it just it doesn't. I don't know. It, it's this really weird. I can't quite put my finger on what it is. Sometimes it's sometimes I'm really really enjoying myself with it, and I'm like, yeah, I'm having a lot of fun with this combat and all that sort of stuff. And then this, some interesting stuff happens with the story. Um, 
and then sometimes I'm just like, huh, not really feeling this. Don't know. Maybe it's the different lengths of time I'm playing the game. Maybe because uh, it isn't always for the same amount of time. But um, yeah, I don't know. But overall, I'm I'm enjoying it. So uh, I think that's a good sentiment to come away with. Uh, I was going to put this in the news, but seeing as it's something I'm already playing anyway, I might as well put it in this section. Uh, Call of Duty Five, Call of Duty Five, Call of Duty Season Five. Sorry. Um, has got its updates. I've already done my update and I have uh, started playing the Season 5 stuff. Um, three new maps. Um, there's a rig, a farm, and like a shipping container kind of place as well. It's like a there's like a dockyard type of place. There's a farm and there's like a um, shipping like rig container type of place. I haven't written the names of the maps down, but uh, those are the new ones. I've been on the shipping container one twice. I haven't been on the farm one yet, and I haven't been on the other one yet. Uh, there's three new guns that have been added. Um, sorry, two new guns that have been added. Uh, one's an assault rifle, one's a submachine gun. I haven't unlocked those yet. Those are just battle pass uh, ones that you can unlock, but you don't have to pay money to get those guns. Those are just, once you get to a certain tier in the battle pass, they unlock for free as well. Because there's certain things in the battle pass that you have to pay for. Other things you get for free. Uh, did the update. You get like you know some new menu stuff and all that. New challenges and other things like that. There's Warzone updates. But as I've discussed on the on the podcast before. I don't play Warzone. So I'm not even going to get into what those are. I, I literally I didn't even look at what the Warzone updates were. Because I don't even play it. So uh, still quite a big update this time. But again it just comes down to like half, half of the game's size is actually Warzone. So even though I've kind of made these little jokes about like, oh, it takes so long to install this game and stuff, it would take, it would genuinely take, genuinely take half the time to install if you could just unselect Warzone, but you have to have it installed for some reason. So uh, it's a bit of a shame, but uh, nonetheless, I've got it installed now, so that's all done, and uh, I've started playing again. So um, other than the one map that I've been on twice, I can't really talk about the other maps yet because, well, I haven't been on them. So uh, on the next podcast that we do, I'll um, talk about some of those a little bit more. So uh, we shall see. Um, Yeah, so that's all the stuff I've been playing, Ghost of Tsushima and uh, Call of Duty. So um, what was the other thing I did? Oh, yes, the... um, We'll talk about it a bit more specifically later because of the Spider-Man thing. But uh, I did get my code for the Avengers beta tomorrow. Uh, as both you and Chris Reagan on Sacred Symbols have said, given that this game's out next month, that's not really a beta. That's a demo or like a stress test because a beta is something that you do six months before your game comes out or even before that. Uh, the beta goes live. Um, I'll just call it a beta because whatever. Uh, goes live tomorrow 9pm UK time so that's when I'll be playing it I'll give some impressions next uh, either next week or, or whenever uh, we've got a, a few little potential schedule changes coming up in the next couple of weeks as well um, so we'll see how that goes but uh, yeah going to be playing that tomorrow it's going to be available from the 7th to the 9th I think um, 9pm Friday to 9pm Sunday I think that's the, the time that they've set for it um, so I've got that installed as well it, it's uh I've got it basically pre-ordered on Amazon, so once the beta's finished, I can cancel the order. And then if I want to play the game, I'm just going to rent it from Boomerang. So, we'll see. Um, but obviously that's what the beta is for. So, did you have you jumped into any beta stuff for Avengers or anything? <clears throat> Not for this game, no. I've done betas on stuff every now and then. And sometimes it's clearly a beta where it won't come out for like three, four months. Yeah. And they're just looking to do some stuff. And other times it's clearly just a server stress test. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll see how that ends up. But uh, we will be talking about um, Spider-Man and the Avengers and PS4 in a little while. Uh, but first of all, let's jump into some uh, housekeeping. We'll see you for that in a minute. Hey guys, what's up? This is Donnie, and I host the Adulting with Donnie podcast. And this is not the show to listen to if you're trying to be a better adult. I started this podcast as a way to offload some thoughts uh, that I have throughout the week. My topics vary widely every week. Movies I've seen, guns and gun control, sex, people that are stupid, why I don't care about celebrity opinions, TV shows, snowmobiling. The list goes on and on. I'm always taking topic suggestions from fans of the show, too. So join me each week on Adulting with Donnie as I pour some bourbon and allow you to see the inner workings of the mind of a madman. Live free and rant hard. I'm Christy. And I'm Jackie. And we are Killer Fun. We explore the intersection of crime and entertainment every other week. For as long as people have been communicating, they have been talking about who did what to whom, and is that socially acceptable? Because the boundaries of society, crime, and entertainment have always gone hand in hand. The more salacious, weird, the better. From books and movies, to television shows and games, we look at how life and art imitate and inform one another. And we can't get together and not laugh. So let's face it. There's going to be laughing. (laughs) Killer Fun is available anywhere you listen to podcasts. So join us. Today's sponsor is Kualu. If you'd like to get started with a domain name and a website today, just click on the link in the show notes and that will take you over to Kualu to get started. They also have a live support chat system that you can use, which is in the bottom right hand corner. So get started with a new website and domain name today with Kualu. Hey everybody, if you would like to get the ad-free versions of all of our podcasts and support entertainment talk along the way, all you need to do is head over to patreon.com forward slash entertainment talk, sign up either as a creator or as a Patreon, there's no difference there. That's just the option for either becoming a creator now or just staying as a patron for the moment. And then all you need to do is support us at the $1 level tier. That will get you access to all of the ad-free podcasts that we've done in the past and get you access to all the ad-free podcasts in that month as well. So it's a great way to support us on Entertainment Talk and to get rid of the ads and get your ad-free podcasts. You can also become a patron at the $3 level tier. That gets you access to ad-free podcasts and allows you to redeem a review of a TV show or a film of entirely your choice. That's one per month for either a TV show or a film review, which is at the $3 level tier. As always, thank you very much for listening. Back to the show. Alright, so recently on Entertainment Talk, quite a lot of stuff, uh, but there's going to be some schedule changes with Entertainment Talk in general in the next couple of weeks, and I'll talk about that um, in a minute. Uh, did a podcast on Disney Plus and BBC. Uh, BBC is basically failing at the moment in the UK. It's not like on the verge of shutting down, but it's you know got some got some problems in terms of budget and audience and things like that. Whereas uh, I don't know if you know this, Robert, but uh, Disney Plus had a five-year goal to get 58 million subscribers and they did it in eight months any thoughts uh it's not surprised with the timing because disney plus comes out and they launch with a great show in the mandalorian mm-hmm. yeah and then they backload everything so everything that we grew up with on our uh, you know at least i did in my childhood with all the rerun shows of like x-men and spider-man and gargoyles and things like that that's all there for the nostalgia mm-hmm. and then boom we're not a lot of our, out of our houses for a couple of months so 
Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, very big differences between what Disney Plus is doing and what BBC is doing. So I talked about that. Uh, Manchester United beat LASK, the Austrian team, uh, 2-1 in the second leg of the Europa League. We're through, I think it's to the quarterfinal of the Europa League. The next game will be played on Monday and that will be against Copenhagen. Uh, as well so that will be pretty cool uh, Jesse Lingard scored Anthony Martial scored and we shall see what we can do on Monday uh, we've, all, we've, all, yeah. we've also had a player who's left Alexis Sanchez the uh, Chilean player um, left I think it was today or yesterday and we are are also I can't speak today we're also on the verge of signing um, Jaden Sancho Possibly tomorrow, but I'll update whatever happens on the next podcast. So we talked, so I talked all about that. Uh, Jim Carrey classic review season for season four has continued the penultimate episode for the season with Ace Ventura: When Nature When Nature Calls, which is the sequel to Pet Detective. So I followed up on the second film there. Uh, me and Gray did the third episode of what I'm now calling Pilot Watch. Me and Robert have done the previous two episodes. Um, Gray gave me uh, chewing gum to watch on Channel Four, which is the British comedy. And then I gave him Black Summer to watch, which is the American zombie drama on Netflix. Both are very, very good. And we talked about both of those. Uh, did a chat, pod- uh, chat podcast episode for July uh, talking about masks in public or lack thereof. Uh, Star Trek updates and a whole bunch of other stuff as well. So you can have a look out for that if you want to. Uh, what else did we do? Uh, did two um, spoiler-free reviews for different films. One of which I gave a don't skip rating for. That is the Train to Busan, a Korean zombie film. Really, really good film. Uh, it's available to rent on Amazon in the UK. I don't know about other countries, but uh, check your streaming services. Uh, and then I did another review for Midsummer, spoiler-free, and I gave that a skip rating. That's a 2019 horror film. So I talked about those. Uh, also did a um, season review for season 3 of NBC and Netflix's Good Girls the third season, don't skip, really really good season of TV, if you haven't checked that out if you're in the US it's available on on NBC, possibly on Peacock I'm not really sure Um, and it's also available on Netflix in the UK if you want to go and watch that, so that's that as well Um, so that's everything that's been happening on entertainmenttalk.org and on podcast platforms Before we get to the State of Play stuff, which we'll talk about in a minute, which took place today, um, we've got some other news to get to as well. Splinter Cell, who has been... What word should we use here? Weirdly treated by Ubisoft? Badly treated by Ubisoft? Used used to troll fans. Used in a way that we didn't want... I suppose, yeah, still being very much used and active. It's not like Metal Gear Solid or Silent Hill that have just been dormant for years. Um, but being being used in certain mobile games, but, you know, hasn't had a sequel video game in seven years. Um, he is going to be returning, but not in quite the way that everybody wanted, but not in the worst way either. It's not another mobile game. He's going to be getting his own animated Netflix series on Netflix from Ubisoft. 
Um, there's been no confirmation as to whether I think his name is Michael Ironside. Ironside. Yeah, Michael Ironside. Ironside, who uh, voices Sam Fisher, the lead protagonist of Splinter Cell. No word on what's happening there, or n- n- nobody's really attached to this yet. It's just Ubisoft have partnered with Netflix to make a Splinter Cell animated TV series. I'll, I'll, I'll say this: this character's been mistreated, but still used. So he's not been dormant and inactive but just not used in the way that everyone wanted being put on two i think it was two different mobile games uh no remasters for the old games no new sequel for seven years Uh, a tv series on netflix is probably the second best thing we could we could get maybe i mean it's not the worst idea um i'm excited for this but still want obviously another video game I'm, i'm very much looking forward to if they do have another video game but uh i'm quite look there's no i can't see any reason at least at the moment we'll see who gets involved with the series and whatever uh and hopefully michael ironside uh will be the voice actor for sam but this is one of the better things that ubisoft's done with uh splinter cell uh what do you think yeah i mean with the recent spate of castlevania and the witcher Mm -hmm. and a couple other projects on netflix they've shown that they can do a good job and it's not like Michael Ironside is lacking for work. I pulled up his IMDb page, and he's got uh, one completed, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, six in post-production, two in pre-production, and one announced with various parts. Uh, for the people that listen to our podcast, they would remi- uh, remember him most recently as playing Leonard Snart's father in The Flash. Uh, some other notable movies that he did. He was in Top Gun. He was in uh, a couple other ones. Just pulling that up here now. So uh, Starship Troopers, the first one, he was really great in that. Um, he's just he's an actor that's been doing all kinds of stuff. Probably the most recent one that you might recognize at least his voice in is that he was the voice of Darkseid in the Harley Quinn TV series. Oh. Okay. Was he in the first season of Harley Quinn? Uh, it's just those three episodes from this year, and it just says uh, Dark Side. Okay, I don't know. So I, I, I don't know if that's because the yeah the second season hasn't uh, arrived on E4. Um, for some reason I can't remember. I don't think Dark Side was in the first season. Um, yeah, I think so. it is the second season. Okay. Uh, but I will. I should hopefully recognize his voice when that happens. We don't have a season two air date yet for that. So, uh, very good show by the way. So, uh, that's pretty cool. Also, if you're a HBO Max subscriber, uh, Harley Quinn Seasons 1 and 2 are on there. Because DC Universe is about to die, basically. So, we'll become irrelevant anyway. Um, yeah, what do you think of uh, yeah, uh, Splinter Cell 1 Netflix in animated form? Uh, I think it's got potential. As long as yeah. Michael Ironside does the voice, I think it'll be a good fan service, if nothing else. Um, I mean, I know a lot of people still want a new game, but hopefully... They'll use the uh, animated series as a you know as a benchmark for whether or not to make a, a good game. So mm-hmm. part of me kind of thinks like, okay, Ubisoft must be aware of the popularity of Sam Fisher and Splinter Cell. They've put him in two mobile games. They're now going to do a series. Part of me thinks because this has been something I've been thinking about for a while with with just older video games. So games that have been dormant for a long time and games that just haven't had any new releases. If you're a video game developer or studio or whatever, and you're gonna you're gonna make a decision about a video game, and you look at something that hasn't been 
hasn't had a next game for a long time. I think one of the ways to go with that, and I, I, I mean, this what I'm about to say doesn't quite um, match the same for Splinter Cell because they know the popularity is already there. I think if you take, uh, I'll use Crash Bandicoot and Spyro for an example. You know, people were still nostalgic for those series, and there hadn't, hadn't been many good games for either, either series for a while. I think one good thing to do for testing the waters, if you go back and remaster old games. And then, okay, if that kind of, you know, you get the nostalgia there, because people that played the, whatever the game you're, it is you're, you're talking about, there's the nostalgia there for previous games, and it's also a great opportunity to, instead of making a new game for a series, and potentially having people say, oh, I haven't played the old games, I can't join in with this new one, it's a good way to kind of remaster old games, bring them to modern consoles, which more people have as opposed to old consoles, and then if the remasters of certain games are successful, then you can go and make new games. The way I'd bring this back to Splinter Cell, I'm a bit confused also as to, okay, they haven't made a new game in seven years. That's a long time. I think if it, let's say Ubisoft is a little bit cautious about Splinter Cell for, for some reason, right? You could just go back and remaster some of the old games and then you, again, you've got the nostalgia thing there, people that played those games back in back in, in in the day of when that when that when they came out it's a good way to bring in a new new audience and then you know if that's all successful and then you bring in new games it kind of just pushes the series forward so i th- i think that's a good way for maybe ubisoft to test the waters with that but then i'd go back to what i said a minute ago i don't think splinter cells a series that you need to test the waters with in that way i think if you just made a new game um people would just kind of jump in in that way and i also think as well in terms of you know what i said a minute ago for like okay story catching up with old stuff and all that splinter cell isn't really a game at least as far as i've experienced that's had that kind of continuity in a way um so yeah what do you you kind of think of of that i guess yeah i mean the games do in a sense follow each other but they're not so dependent that you need to play one yeah before you play the other one so it's just a matter of you know keeping the character in the public consciousness but they did that with the crap mobile games and the ghost recon game well his addition into ghost recon so it's one of those things that until we see like a script or a pilot or anything like that there's nothing really to comment on it other than the fact of just commenting on that it exists yeah yeah so and like who's going to be the showrunner, who's going to be the producers, and yeah, we just have to wait and see on those things. But nonetheless, Splinter Cell is going to be in our future, just not quite in the way that we want to with a new game. So uh, we shall see. But again, I mean, you could kind of apply my argument here to this series. If this series comes out and people go, oh, Splinter Cell's back, you know, like really cool stuff and whatever... Because um, let's be honest, people are going to pay more attention to this series than they are to the mobile games that he's in. Um, so if you know if this game, it, if this if this show comes out and everything, and people are really excited about Splinter Cell again, maybe that will kind of kick Ubisoft forward to to doing another game. Um, but it w- we'll see. It, it it will be at least a few years until this this happens, probably. So there we go. Uh, speaking yep. of video games, which is what we're also here to talk about today, uh, let's move on to some, let's just do a big PlayStation section here. Uh, we do have this state of play to talk about, but before we get into that, um, there was something posted earlier this week about um, the PlayStation 5's compatibility with devices, controllers, etc. Uh, there was a bunch of stuff in the article, but the two big things I kind of pulled out from it 
was your PS4 controller, so your DualShock 4, will work with your PS5, but not with PlayStation 5 games. So, for example, Godfall, Ratchet and Clank, Spider-Man, Miles Morales. You can't use a PS4 with that, a PS4 controller with that. I'd imagine that if you, so let's say with FIFA 21, for example, which is a game that's going to have like a free upgrade thing to to PS5, and the same with uh, Cyberpunk as well. I would imagine if you buy the PS4 versions of those games, your controller will work with those, and possibly you know any any other games that are actually like backwards compatible with uh, PS5 for for the PS4 games. I would imagine that those those work with those. This kind of makes sense to me in a way, and one thing that kind of came to my mind, which this doesn't give it an excuse, but kind of makes sense in a way. I do wonder, um, because you do have the trackpad on, is it the trackpad? The the touchpad, sorry, on the the controller, which is obviously a big compatibility thing. Some games use it, and, uh, you know, other things as well. Uh, There's that game called Erica, which you can only play by even using that, so that kind of makes sense. Um... One thing I was kind of thinking about is, you know, recently with the Jeff Keighley demo and they showed about, like, okay, the adaptive triggers and all these, like, sensors and the sounds and all that. You wouldn't be able to use that with a PS4 controller if you played a PS5 game. But then again, I kind of thought about, like, okay, if you take those features out, which to me are just sort of added features and maybe not a requirement of a PS5 game, would it make sense that you could still use... Um, a PS4 controller with PS5 games, you you can't. But um, I don't know. What what do you think of this this situation? Well, on, lov- on one level, it does make perfect sense. I mean, if you think going from PS3 to PS4, obviously there's no compatibility there. But yeah. the PS3 controller doesn't have the touchpad, and the PS4 controller doesn't have the sense pad. But see, this is something that I've always had an issue with with PlayStation in general. Is why build a functionality into a controller? you're basically locking that into it. Uh, Microsoft uh, did come out with a statement saying that uh, all uh, Series X controllers will be compatible with previous consoles and vice versa. Um, so there's no worry about that on there. So it's kind of a thing. But yeah. the real question is, is how much of this is just the game's technology and how much of it is planned obsolescence? Because that is a thing that I do worry about, is that they're intentionally making this sort of technically kind of compatible but wink wink not really just to like force out the old hard kind yeah of. forcing out the hard old hardware and that's not all that on um without precedent i mean if you were in the apple ecosphere for computers and phones a lot of the newer phones won't work with the older mac computers so yeah yeah um is this a particularly big deal to you personally not being able to use PS4 controller with PS5 games? No, not really. I mean, I only have one PS4 controller. I mean, technically I have two, but one, the right trigger is broken. I just never got around to fixing it. Um, But it's one of those things that I'm kind of a solo gamer, so I don't really need more than one controller anyway. On my Xbox, I have two, but that's just because one came with the new console that I had, and I'd already had to buy a replacement controller. um, controller for one that broke so I just happened to have two mm-hmm. uh, but it's not anything it's like I must buy all the things or rage 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 this doesn't work with that um, I mean if Microsoft did it I'd be annoyed but I wouldn't care as much either so mm-hmm. yeah um, but yeah your PS5 will probably come with the dual sense and you'll be able to use that so um, 
there you go. It, this is just, this is just going to be an effective thing in terms of okay, if your if your controller breaks and you can't get a new one and you have a PS4 controller sitting around because you had a PS4 and you can't use that with PS5 games, that's a problem. And also like okay, if you I don't know if you move in with someone or if someone visits your house or whatever and you want to do a couch co-op thing, maybe you want to play a game of FIFA with them or uh, any particular game. And you don't have a dual, a, a um, I'm a said a DualSense five. You don't have a PS5 controller or a DualSense, and you've got your DualSense controller that you got with your PS5, and then your old PS4 controller. Then you're stuck again in that. But is it, those those are kind of rarer circumstances than what you might think. So uh, I don't think it's a particularly massive deal, but um, it that is the update. So, uh, and something which does um, affect me a little bit more directly, but in more of a positive way. Uh, PSVR will work with um, PS4 games on PS5. I think the update that I read was that when PS5 VR games come out, so if there's going to be, well they probably won't because no one's talking about it, if there's going to be an Iron Man VR 2, which there probably won't be, um, well let, let's say with, I was going to say Astro Bot 2, but that's coming with the with the console. Um, actually, that might be a good example with, with you know with, with with future PS5 PSVR games. Uh, I don't think your PSVR headset will work. Now, for me, as someone who is still playing certain um, PSVR games, one of which we're going to be talking about a little bit later, um, that I I like the fact that I can use my uh, you know the PSVR that I have got with um, PS4 games. So. Uh, I mean, what I'll probably try and do eventually, when when they, because they haven't announced it yet, but you've got to imagine there will be a PSVR 2 eventually. Um, I'll just maybe sell my PSVR, try and get some money for that, and then try and get a PSVR 2. It depends on that, you know, when that happens. They haven't even announced a PSVR 2 yet, but uh, yeah. So it it's at least it works in some way, shape, and form with uh, PS4 games. So, uh, what do you think of this? Yeah, it's one of those things that it is what it is, and we're not really that shocked of it. And this is something that we've talked about ad nauseum with Microsoft and its backwards compatibility. It's not an issue because we always knew everything would work with everything. But this is a thing that Sony has decided that this is the path they're going to take, and that's their path. That's their choice. That's their right as a company to do that. Do you think there's like a certain power thing here? Where like let's let's say in two three years time, hopefully PSVR games are still coming out. The PSVR itself is going to be a bit outdated, and then once you have the PS5, which is going to be a more powerful system, and PS5 VR games, your PS4's PSVR just isn't going to be able to keep up with those games because it, I mean, already it's kind of struggling. It's already got its own little box and all this, you know, the the uh, processor unit and all that. So it's all it already kind of struggles a little bit with the PS4. So when you move that to the next gen system. And then with newer games are gonna re- are gonna require more. That makes more sense to me than the than the PS uh, than the controller thing. So do you think that kind of makes sense as well? On some level, yeah. But at the end of the day, um, it's it's one of those things that you're just gonna have to decide where do I want to spend my money? Do I want to spend my money rebuying controllers that I shouldn't have to or rebuying systems because it's not running as good? Or are you buying things because you know, you enjoy the ecosystem, and really, that's your choice, whichever direction you go. Yeah, so, uh, but that's some compatibility updates for PS5, 
um, and we'll see how things play out. Uh, moving on to actual PS5 games and PS4 games, uh, let's get into this state of play thing. I'm on PlayStation's YouTube channel, so I'm just going to start reading some videos that they put out. Um, just over, just let's go to overall kind of thing. Uh, what do you think of their latest state of play? Just overall. Overall, it was decent. Um, not unexpectedly, we got a mix of PS4 and PS5 games. Um, not unexpectedly, we didn't get um, date any kind of price announcement or yeah. pre-order date announcement or anything like that. There were a couple, three games that I'm just like, that I hadn't expected. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was good overall. Uh, good to see my you know Bandicoot friend pop up right at the start. I didn't actually expect that to to happen, but uh, got some more gameplay for that. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, some newer-ish games that I thought looked kind of cool. The Godfall presentation interested me a little bit more. Um, yeah, I I kind of went into this thinking like, I'm not sure what to expect. They did actually say there wasn't going to be any PS5 stuff in this, and there was. Uh, so mm-hmm. I was kind of delightfully surprised with that because I I I kind of thought going into this like all right if you're going to show off PS4 games and Ubisoft have just done a thing EA's just done a thing and all these other third parties have just done a thing and you said no PS5 you're going to focus on PS4 I was kind of going into thinking like okay what are you going to talk about um, and then they started off with Crash and all that so but um, yeah there was PS5 games in there. So, uh, what did you think of the? I'm just going to go f- through on the uploaded videos here and just talk about different ones. Uh, what do you think of what they showed of Godfall? Very interesting. I'm kind of confused. I, they lost me a little bit when they called it a looter slasher. I mean, I get, yeah, I guess, the term, term looter shooters. You know, fine. It's kind of ubiquitous, but that one just really kind of threw me. But mm-hmm. graphically, it looked amazing. I'm not going to knock that. Um, gameplay wise, it definitely looked diverse in terms of the gameplay in terms of like combat styles and things like that do you think it looked a bit like avengers no i got a little bit not not in terms of like the sword fighting but the general sense of the combat i got a little bit of a sense of avengers from it the upcoming avengers you know i got more of uh just fighting games like if you look back to the old uh Hmm. Uh, Soul Calibur kind of fighting weapon games. That's where I got more of a vibe from. Okay. Okay. Uh, are you interested in this game? Not really, no. But it's it's more. It's not really my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I've always said, if it's something for you, jump in on it. So Cool. This interested me a little bit more just because we actually saw something this time as opposed to like a, like a gameplay trailer type of thing. Um, it could have my interest. It depends what the story and stuff is. Um, the combat is kind of interesting to me. I'm interested to see what different weapons you can get and different swords and stuff. I really did like the shield in here. Kind of reminded me, you know, you know, the little shield you can get in God of War. Kind of reminded me a little bit of that. Like it's not something that's incredibly involved. You can't like throw it like a Captain America style sort of thing, but you can use it pretty usefully. Like as soon as that came out, and I saw this sort of like. Um, third-person fighting type of style. I immediately thought of of God of War. Uh, what do you think of the shield inclusion? Yeah, it was a little God of Warish. Yeah, yeah, which it worked pretty well in that game as well. So, thought that was good. Um, I, I'm gonna read all these out, but I'm not gonna comment on every single one because some I don't have thoughts on. Uh, Temtem, I didn't really 
take too much interest in that. What did you What did you think? Yeah, I got nothing for that. Yeah, but that's another game that's coming out. Um, Hood Outlaws and Legends. This kind of makes me think of like. I don't know, like a Thief, Assassin's Creed kind of game, but it didn't look as interesting. I think this is going to be another situation where, you know, when we've seen trailers before for um, Godfall, and now we've actually seen some gameplay, I think once we see see a little bit more of like, okay, what is this game? Uh, Because I don't think the trailer that they really showed here did it enough justice because i i like that type of genre sometimes i think assassin's creed's done some good games i think there's been some other good games in that genre um but there's a very specific way that you've got to get those type of games right um it looked all right but i just i want to see what the game looks like what do you think of uh hood outlaws and legends yeah it did kind of remind me of uh the assassin's creed multiplayer that they tried a while back um (laughs) but yeah yeah yeah, go ahead. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things that uh, I didn't dislike it. It just it was kind of weird. Mm. Yeah, I actually forgot about that Assassin's Creed multiplayer. That wasn't very good. It was like a, it was just a bunch of people running around in an open world, just stabbing each other. It was so unbalanced. But uh, yeah, it kind, of, it kind of reminded me a little bit of that as well. I think that was with Assassin's Creed Unity, if I remember. Um, on the 360, and I was like, oh, cool, I'm gonna see what the multiplayer is like, and it was just. It was very random, but uh, anyway, uh, that was that for Hood, Outlaws, and Legends. The Pedestrian, um, I think this is a puzzle game I could kind of get into. Um, yeah, what do you think? Possible, you never know. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just, I don't know, there's a few little interesting bits and pieces from the mechanics there. Um, it weirdly at... reminded me of the old... Uh flash-based web games back in the day yeah a little bit yeah a little bit like that as well yeah i can see i i've enjoyed some of them as well um played some of them at school um not that i should have been doing that at school but never mind that was 10 years ago um but uh yeah kind of reminds me of that a little bit as well and i i i like some of them sorts of games um so we'll see how that goes but quite a i mean when that trailer opens you don't think that's what you're gonna see because you sort of look at like a it just looked like a totally different game and then they show this you know person walking on this little sign thing and then you kind of go from there so uh but i thought that looked pretty good i don't even remember this game coming out auto chess yeah i vaguely vaguely remember seeing it like on steam at some point like recommended you know possibly for you but it kind of looked cool i've seen a lot of games where i have no idea what's going on but the streamer that's playing them is just like having a ball with it and that kind of looks like one of those games yeah yeah i can't say i particularly remembered it from this state of play but that's kind of says a little bit something about it i'm not knocking it i just don't really remember it very much but uh so that's my interest level for it uh something which is very much up my alley crash bandicoot 4 it's about time I re I think this was the best presentation the game had had so far. Um, showed some little cutscene bits and pieces. Showed a little bit more of the story. Not that the story's been important in Crash Bandicoot, but um, just kind of establishing where certain things are. Um, and going back to this idea of like Cortex has been sent back in time uh, with Entropy and with Engine. Um, showed a bit more of the gameplay. I. I really, really like what they did with the animation here, um, both in the gameplay and in some of the cutscenes and stuff. Because um, I'll, I'll admit, when it very first popped up, this game, 
and I kind of had to get used to the different designs. I I like the designs a lot more now. I just I I really like what they did with uh, it's got a five minute video listed here. Um, I really liked what they showed. I'm I mean I was already on board for. I mean was I ever not on board for a new Crash Bandicoot game? No. Um no, <laughs> that's not true. Uh, yeah, like obviously as soon as I you know we heard about Crash Bandicoot four and that I'd had a bit of a muted response just because of the way it had been leaked and whatnot. But yeah, I I really liked what they did here, and uh, I'm even more excited than before if that was even possible. So, uh, Dingo Dahl is going to be a playable character, which I admit did surprise me. I'm in, interested to see how that works into certain things. Uh, Coco is going to be a playable character throughout the whole game. There's going to be parts where you can play as Neo Cortex as well, um, and obviously crash bandicoot himself as well um i know you're not much of a crash bandicoot person but um what do you think of what they showed here i mean i thought the gameplay was very smooth the Mm. animation looked very good i know that i like you said this is not a game that i'm a fan of but i'm aware enough of the game to know that this is from what they've shown getting the fans of the game very very hyped up Mm -hmm. you know how i've talked before with crash about like um with with was it Wrath of Cortex? The like unofficial fourth game now. Um, the the one that they did before. And it kind of didn't have the soul of Crash Bandicoot. And I remember saying at the time, it was almost as if like, if you gave somebody a book of how to make a Crash Bandicoot game, but you like took half the pages out. This this actual Crash Bandicoot 4 It's About Time game, I really feel like the, the full character of what Crash is, is there... And just, I know it might sound a bit weird to talk about it this way for a Crash game, but I've the soul of the game was kind of there, if you get what I mean. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah, and like, cause and, I, and I actually, just, um, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. There you go ahead. I was gonna say a good analogy of that is if you're into film, watch the old Tron movie from 1984, and then watch the second one they did long time ago. The the people that made the second film clearly had no idea what the first film was about. Yeah, there's just sometimes where you've got to just get things right in that way. And I look at the contrast now between what I'm now calling the unofficial fourth Crash game, which is Rafa Cortex, and then um, uh, this one, It's About Time. And you, I can just there's just so much of a difference in there. And I know, think I know, like okay, if you're gonna skip the cutscenes or whatever, or not really care about them, and the the like soul of Crash Bandicoot might not mean that much. But when you're a huge fan of the games like I am. There's there's something about just the character of Crash Bandicoot you've got to get right, and in the um, old fourth game that just wasn't there, and it just felt it made the game feel a little bit more empty and a little bit less kind of just rewarding. So anyway, very very happy with what they showed here, uh, October second for that. So if you can't tell, very much looking forward to that. But uh, I thought that was the best presentation they showed so far for. Uh, Crash Bandicoot. Um, Control, the second of expansion, uh, the Alan Wake thing, AWE, I think it's called. Um, I was kind of looking. I was kind of looking at this game a little while ago. I think there was a sale on the PlayStation Store, and uh, it was for some of the DLC. And I looked at them, and the, the the season price, and that was a little bit pricey. And I remember enjoying the main game for Control and that, and thought it was pretty good. It did have some technical kind of hiccups and whatnot. I'm just not really interested in returning to this game for for the for the DLC. If they make a Control Two, I'll jump back in. But I don't know, just just something about this version of the this 
uh, first game, I, d I just don't really want to go back to it necessarily. So I don't think I'm going to be trying the uh, DLCs out. Um, how about you? control yeah uh, i never played the first control so i don't have a dog in this fight okay cool but uh it's not like a i don't know it's you know when you just kind of you're kind of just done with the game and you just don't really want to go back to it and then dlc comes out for it and you're just sort of like no nah, just i just yeah just don't want to go back to it necessarily so maybe i'll change my mind at a later date maybe if i hear some good stuff about the expansions which i've not heard anything about them so far as to whether or not they're good or bad or anything um so that's that with control but that comes out fairly soon something which i am very interested in uh vader darth vader immortal the um star wars vr game i hadn't actually seen any footage of this but i'd heard some really good things about it it was a steam game i think it's a steam game for for a little while uh, and now it's coming to psvr finally I'm really looking forward to, to trying this out. The only thing I'm a little bit sceptical about is there's probably going to be some points in this game where you're going to have to be quite accurate with your lightsaber and it's going to depend on how well your move controllers respond to certain things because sometimes they do and sometimes they don't and you might get a bit of both in this game but yeah, Star Wars VR game with a lightsaber and you put Darth Vader in there um, sounds good to me. So uh, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, that's a recipe for success, mm. um, and I'm not a VR player, but if I had a VR rig and a VR setup, I would 100% play that game. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, and um comes out this month, so that was a nice surprise as well. I think it was August 25th, the date that was shown, so uh, hopefully I can finish Ghost of Tsushima at that point. If I haven't, I'll just play this Star Wars game anyway, so... um That should be really, really cool, and, you know, Darth Vader's a pretty awesome character. So, probably, mm -hmm. probably, yeah, easily one of the most iconic villains ever. Um, up there with what Joker and some other characters probably as well. So, yeah, uh, I mean it's Star Wars, the whole thing's iconic and all that. So, um, Aeon must die world premiere trailer. Um, I don't remember too much from that, so I'm not gonna say I'm looking forward to that. Do you remember much about that game? From the state of play. I saw the trailer and I was definitely intrigued with it because it had two weird mashups that uh, kind of caught my eye. Because animation-wise, it looks a little bit like the old 70s movie Heavy Metal. And I don't know if you've ever seen that or not. But it was a really weird, trippy kind of animated movie with a lot of music in infused into it. Mm -hmm. um, it was very distinctive style uh, animation-wise. So... Um, and past that, there was also, uh, like I mentioned before earlier, Tron with the, you know, the backlit Neo kind of a thing, a neon right. kind of a thing. So I'm kind of going to have to keep an eye out on it. I don't know if it's something that I'll play or not, but it's definitely interesting. Cool. Uh, I don't have too much to add to that. So uh, another game I just, I can't muster up any enthusiasm for, but there is a lot out there for it. Uh, Bugsnatch, the gameplay trailer that came out. Um, I just generally don't have much interest in this game, and that's perfectly fine. Um, how about you? Yeah, that game looks like PlayStation 4's answer to the old Viva Pinata series, which is basically yeah. the same thing. Yeah, kind of reminds me a bit of that as well. So, uh, Genshin Impact, uh, another kind of game that didn't really catch my attention too much. How about you? I'm just pulling it up here, so one second. Uh, to, yeah, it, it didn't really register with me a whole lot, so... 
Yeah. But, but then again, I'm not much of a JRPG fan, so. Mm-hmm. Anno Mutant something? Why don't I remember that from the state of play? Anno Mutanomodon. Yeah, that's that's another kind of a weird one. That's the one where um, your character is just kind of zipping around and then things are exploding. And visually, it's very realistic, but it just it didn't catch my eye. Okay, that's that one. Is that the one they showed? At... Oh no, the Pathless is the one I'm thinking of. The one with the yeah. uh, bow and arrow and that. So, uh, Splunky 2 is getting made. I never played the first one, so I'm not going to take too much interest there. How about you? Splunky. Yeah, I never played that one as well, but it had a good, you know, reception from what I remember, so... Yeah, yeah. Again, you know, if people are happy for games, and those games turn out to be good, then that's great. Uh, the game which I was just thinking of a minute ago, The Pathless, I'm quite interested in this. Um, this, to me, looks like if you take Journey, make it more interesting, <laughs> add more to it, and just make it a better game because uh, it really reminded me of Journey at the start, and then you introduced like some boss fights and that and, and that sort of thing. Uh, did you ever play Journey, the game that I'm referencing? No, I, I know of Journey, but I never played it. I it it gets talked about as if it's like one of the greatest games ever made, and it just really didn't do anything for me. Uh, I did play it and finish it. I think it was a PS Plus game at some point, which is probably how I played it. Um, yeah, this, the Pathless, I got, I got some sort of, I got some, like, journey vibes from it, but then you add in combat and, you know, more stuff. So, uh, what do you think of the Pathless? It's definitely something I'm going to have to keep on my radar, but past that, I honestly don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, but that's one that could be interesting to me. Uh, Braid Anniversary, I never played them before. Again, going back to what I said about the whole Splinter Cell thing. If you remaster old games, you bring in a new audience, bring back the old audience, and see if it's successful. So, who knows, maybe this comes out, and maybe I like it, and maybe it pulls me in. I don't know. Uh, how about you for uh, Braid? Yeah, Braid's not a game that you would have played, because that was an, one of the original lineups for Summer of Arcade on the Xbox 360 back in 2008. So, I, I mean, it's cool that it's getting a remaster. Like they said, this is um, a big anniversary for it. So it's uh, 10, 13, yeah, 13 years. I'm not quite sure why 13 is an anniversary year, but okay. Um, but yeah, it was, it was one of those games that a lot of people talked about. It had a very interesting art style, so it's getting a big HD remake to it, which is cool. So Yeah. Um, so last one I've got here. Uh, and then there's some old videos from uh, from PlayStation. Uh, Hitman 3 VR announcement. I'm going to play this whole game in VR. Um, I know that you don't quite have that option. But uh, yeah, what do you think of well being able to play Hitman in VR? I think it's cool. I think if any game could be done very, very well in VR, it's Hitman. Mm -hmm. I think that's a very, very good challenge for this game to try and attempt. Because um, you'd have to change the game a little bit just because of like movement. The way you, like, like, let's say you try and quickly shoot someone and then run out of the room, or not run out of the room, but try and sneak out the room very quickly and go around the corner, you're not going to quite be able to do that in the same way in, uh, in VR. Who knows, maybe they find some sort of way around that, but um, I'm very interested to see how that plays out. I was, I was going to play Hitman 3, but it wasn't like on my most anticipated kind of list. Um, 
But yeah, you include VR in there, that adds an interesting kind of challenge, and uh, I think that could just add a new dynamic to uh, Hitman. The, that's one of them things to me where, where when people email in and stuff like that, and they say, like, oh, what do you think they could do for the future of games? And we're never really the people that come up with the ideas because we're not video game developers. When you think of something like Hitman, and I hadn't previously thought of, like, okay, put it in VR, as soon as that announcement came up, I was like, that makes so much sense. It's it's just one of them things that we 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 as sort of you know normal gamers or whatever don't think of, but then it's developers' jobs to come up with those ideas. Um, do you kind of agree in that way? This is kind of a a simple way to innovate on the game, but that just hadn't really been been done before. Yeah, I mean that's definitely a possibility. Yeah, so we'll see how that works out. But uh, that's that's pushed my interest on it up a lot more. So. Um, and then one other thing I just want to talk about as well, um, this wasn't from part of the state of play, but, uh, FIFA 21 came out with this gameplay trailer, um, and it had gameplay in it and it had part of a trailer as well. <sighs> they talked about some new mechanics and things, and they, they, they talk about every year, of like, okay, the AI is going to be better, this is going to be better, that's going to be better, and then you get certain problems with the game. There's one particular mechanic that I want to talk about. Which is, um, it was something to do with, um, manual player runs. So, like, you could, if you're, you're on the ball with a certain player, and then you can kind of, like, click on another player in a certain way and say, like, okay, you are gonna make a run. There's two issues I have with that. First of all, that shouldn't be something new for a FIFA game in 2020. Second of all, when you go every year and you say, okay, the AI is better, this and that. Something as simple as a player making a run is quite a fundamentally important part of the football match anyway. And it's just, I, I mean, if if this is a feature that comes in and it works and it is actually quite good. It's just not something that should be like this amazing new feature. Because the AI in the game should already be good enough to recognise when it should make a player run. Like if you've got a world class let's say like Paul Pogba or somebody from Man United and you're on the ball with Rashford and there's a clear path for Pogba to run the game should already be in a state where someone like Paul Pogba who's probably going to be rated a 90 should already be smart enough to make that run in the first place so when they go on in this video and they're like oh you can like select a certain player to to manually make them make a run it I don't know. It it's not something that should be seen as this like new revolutionary kind of thing. It should be something that's kind of automatically in the game anyway, because the player should be smart enough to do that. Because if you're an attacking player anyway, that's one of the things you should be thinking about. Like if you're a striker, you're going to be thinking about okay, where is the space for me to run into and get the ball and score? It's just a natural part of their game. But uh, what would you what do you think of that? Hello. Sorry, I might cut out there for a second. Okay. Uh, that's why I've always disliked the term AI when it comes to computer-controlled characters because there's no real independent thought. It's just mm. running scripts. And so this is just giving you a way to force you to do the character um, that it should have been done. Yeah. One thing I don't really understand about it as well, let's say I've got the ball... I'll just use May Knight again just for reference. Let's say I've got the ball with Rashford on the left and Bruno Fernandez is in the middle... Am I going to kind of have to control two players in a way of saying to like pressing a button to make Bruno Fernandes make a run but also on the same t- at the same time 
trying to keep the ball with Rashford so that I can make the pass anyway. Like, I don't, I don't really get it. And then the other thing as well, let's say with Anthony Martial, Man United's main striker, when his positioning stat is in, I don't know, 80 to 90 range, again, part of his positioning is to figure out, okay, when do I need to make the runs to, to get into the, the space to score? But uh, anyway, that's uh, that's one of the main things they kind of talked about in the gameplay stuff. They also talked about, um, again, smarter AI and some other stuff. One of the other things that they talked about in kickoff mode um is because obviously kickoff mode basically when you play against play friendlies and stuff you can do something to where if you mess up a piece of play that you're doing so if you i don't know shoot and miss the goal or something you can do this rewind feature like sort of like correcting your mistake um i guess that's kind of cool i guess that's maybe like a way to practice within a match or something so, I mean, that would, that would be a bit ridiculous if that was in, like, career mode or something. Because then if you're in, like, the Champions League final and you miss a shot in the last minute and you can just rewind it. So, it, it makes sense it is not in those sorts of game modes for obvious reasons. But uh, maybe that's just a method of, like, you being able to practice. I don't know. So, we'll see how that all works out. But uh, that's your PlayStation State of Play for um, August 2020. So... We'll see how things go. Uh, let's move away. Well, keeping with PlayStation actually here for a minute. I referenced Avengers earlier, which I've got the beta downloaded for. And I'm going to be playing tomorrow night. Uh, Spider-Man, who is a very popular character. And has recently come into uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe with Tom Holland. The character of Spider-Man is going to be exclusive for PS4 on Avengers. Uh, before we get into certain things like logistical questions and stuff like that, which I have... Um, what do you think of this exclusivity? I'm not overly shocked with it. I mean, Me yeah. you know, Sony does own the rights to Spider-Man in many ways. I don't know all the extensive ways that they do own it. I just know that they own it. Um, and so him being exclusive to that, not that much of a shocker. Yeah. The only real shocker is how much people are losing their shit over it. Mm. Yeah. Um, I suppose that's kind of fair in a certain way. One of the main logistical questions I have. So let's say you're doing... Now we don't know what's going to happen in the story. Or who's going to come in the story at what point. Or what that's going to do. I'm just going to give an example here. right? Let's say you're playing as Iron Man. One of the game's main characters. And you get into a mission. And Spider-Man is in that mission. I'm going to assume that when you're on PS4. The game's going to maybe give you the option. Okay do you want to play this section of Spider-Man play the section of Iron Man maybe the missions even got playable sections for both anyway if that if there's a basically what I'm trying to say if there's a playable section in this game that's got Spider-Man in it how is that gonna work on Xbox are you just gonna um see that as a as a cutscene or is it is he just gonna not be because if, if Spider-Man's in the story which I'm gonna assume he's gonna be you can't just cut those scenes out on Xbox. So, I'm, so I'm, I'm kind of thinking what you're going to have to do is... Okay, he's going to have to be in a certain scene with a different character. And on Xbox, you're just going to play alongside him. Like, he's going to be in your team or whatever. But you're going to play as, I don't know, Iron Man or Thor or Hulk or whatever. Because if if there's solo sections of this game where you have to play as Spider-Man... You can't do that on Xbox. So I'm just kind of wondering how that's going to work. What, what do you think? 
Yeah, it might be a thing to where they're just like sub side missions to it, to where mm. there's missions that are yeah. just exclusive to PlayStation, which has been done before. Yeah. Um, there's been missions to where like certain things are exclusive to either Xbox or PlayStation in terms of this mission, that mission, whatever. So. Mm. Yeah. Because I mean, you. I mean, they're not going to make two different versions of the story: one that's got Spider-Man in and one that hasn't. So there's going to have to be gameplay sections that work around that um but i don't know i again if if there's a section that's got spider-man completely on his own i'm guessing that's just going to be a cutscene, maybe on xbox i i don't really know so i doubt that they would ever do it but it would be absolutely hilarious if they replaced spider-man with night monkey on uh, xbox <laughs> yeah yeah that was that was the joke when uh disney almost lost the character wasn't it the yep. like, oh, you can do it. You can just have Tom Holland play as Night Monkey because it isn't the same character. <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be kind of cool. Um, but yeah, how do you think it will work in terms of playable sections of Spider-Man, like in the in the single player story? They they got to be standalone missions. That's the only way that would work. Mm, yeah, because the only other way that's going to work is if you have, like I said, Iron Man and Spider-Man, or someone else with Spider-Man in the mission. Um, if Spider-Man is just an AI character that follows you and you don't play as him. Um, so we'll see how that works anyway. But uh, it's, as soon as I saw this news, I was like, yeah, that kind of makes sense for, for PlayStation and for Sony. So um, we'll see how that all works out on the Xbox and the PC side of things. So uh, like I said, beta tomorrow. I'll give my impressions on the next podcast. So we'll see when that's going to be. Uh, that's all the news I've got, actually. I already yeah talked about everything. So uh, what do you want to talk about today? Well, we're getting inundated with little bits and bobs with uh, upcoming games. Uh, Cyberpunk uh, announced that the next episode of Livewire, the Night City Wire livestream, is on Monday. This is going to be streaming uh, at 6 p.m. CEST, which I believe is Poland time. So I think that makes it five year time, nine, uh, noonish my time, but it's on a Monday, so it's not going to really interrupt anybody's schedule. It's just one of those things that uh, it'll be. Most people either see it live or oh, here's it is. Uh, 10 a.m. Pacific, um, 5 p.m. British Standard. So yeah, that's going to be noonish my time, Eastern. Uh, the game will ref- 10 a.m. Pacific. Pacific, yeah, East Coast, uh, West sorry, Coast, I think that's America. 6 p.m. British time. Uh, no, it says 6 p.m. CEST, 5 p.m. BST, British Standard Time. Okay, because usually Pacific Time, we're eight hours in front of yeah. those people. So at the moment, it's half past midnight. So for those people, it would be half past four in the afternoon. But anyway, um, I I don't really feel like I need this necessarily. The game's going to be out next month. Um, I haven't heard about it going gold yet, which is interesting. Maybe we'll hear about that in the next couple of weeks. But I'm kind of at the point with Cyberpunk where, okay, they've shown a lot of stuff. They've interested tons of people. People have got it pre-ordered and all that. Um, I mean, we don't know what's going to be in this. And literally with the first episode of this, they announced a Netflix series. So that was Mm -hmm. something that we weren't expecting. But just for me personally, I, I don't feel like I need to see any more of this game necessarily. Maybe like a launch trailer. Um, in a few well, weeks, what we're going to but... be getting is that we're going to be taking different uh, a look at different paths so the characters can take. 
some new weapons involved in it, and they're going to be displaying or debuting the Swedish rock band Refused as transformed into the Cyberpunk's virtual anti-establishment rock band Samurai, which is led by uh, Johnny Silverhand, a.k.a. Keanu Reeves. Okay. Um, so, that, that I mean, that sounds kind of interesting in that, but... Yeah, I, ju- I just don't know that I need to see more of this game necessarily. But who knows, maybe this presentation happens on Monday and uh, I change my mind. I don't know. Uh, what do you think? You never know. I mean, I've been super hyped for the game for the longest time and more, as long as it's not story spoilers, is always good for me. So Yeah, cool. Uh, so we'll see what CD Projekt Red shows on Monday. I assume that uh, Holly Bennett's going to be posting that again then if it's the same I would like, night, so. night CE Just, the article thing. doesn't say but i would have to assume so yeah yeah we shall see so cool what else do you want to talk about well the nintendo switch despite everything that's going on is still making crazy good sales mm-hmm. and it's about to hit a new milestone it is about to overtake the original nes in terms of total units sold uh, since the report only covers the period to June 30th, um, the Switch has been regularly staring out at retails. I haven't seen one in the wild for sale for a while. <laughs> um, it is up to 61 plus million sold. Um, so that console, it only has to sell another half a million to do that. So that's pretty much going to happen. Um, it's still got a while to catch and pass the Wii, which sold over 101 million units. But we'll just see what happens from there. Yeah, um, as we've said, in, or as I've said in the last couple of weeks, Nintendo's had a very weird 2020, at least to me. They've been just a little bit more quiet than usual. But uh, as we've seen from the... What's that? Animal Crossing, I almost forgot the name of the game. Uh, Animal Crossing sold really, really well. And hey, maybe that's all they needed to do this year. I don't know. We still don't know what's coming out in the deeper part of the well q3 q4 of uh 2020 for nintendo um i'm curious about that i just think it's time for nintendo to do an actual big direct and show us kind of what's going on with uh with different games um and uh i'm i'm interested to see that but yeah uh it, the switch is still selling really well animal crossing which came out in march if i am correct with that um is still selling really well so from those two things they're having a good 2020 um but i would just i would just like a few more things to play on my switch so um what do you think of nintendo's success with this did your mic cut out again yeah sorry yeah i give them all the props in the world i really didn't think the switch would be selling as many units as it did but it is so all the better for them so yeah so we'll see what they come out with um they haven't announced the next main mario game but that's pretty much a given because it's super mario and they'll never stop making mario games um i would like to see maybe a new trailer for breath of the wild seeing as the voice actors gave an update for that um i don't think that game's near to coming out but it would just be cool to see a little snippet of that game again um and to just know what the next main uh mario is going to be like whether it's a odyssey 2 or something new or whatever what's you'll see but um all in good time i guess Mm -hmm. uh what else have you got today well for those people that have been testing uh project x cloud uh that game is that service is officially launching september 15th unfortunately it will not be launching on apple devices a business insider confirmed that Apple is going to be denying the service on mobile devices for a really dumb reason. They're claiming they can't QA the games that are going to be streaming over the service itself. 
even though they don't have to QA the actual games, they just have to QA the service. So, hmm. bit stupid, yeah. Um, yeah, as someone as someone who owns an iPhone currently, it's a little bit disappointing to me. Um, I wasn't necessarily planning on jumping on xCloud day one, but I am. I'm just interested to see if it even works. Um, now I do have more faith in Microsoft than I do with Google in terms of a streaming service, uh, video game service itself. But that doesn't mean I actually want one because I don't. But uh, I just I just get a better feeling from Microsoft in terms of them actually making these sorts of things. So I was curious to try it out and see if it worked, you know, in my house or in in uh, an area near me or whatever. But uh, I won't be able to do that at the moment. So. Uh, we'll see if Apple changes their mind, hopefully. Um, but uh, yeah, for now we'll just you know wait for other people to get it and see um, if they say that it even works. So, what do you think? Yeah, I mean this is Apple being Apple. They're yeah. notoriously being tools for things like this, and I. It's one of those things that they can't allow it on their service in the sense of it competes with their Apple game service, which nobody gives two craps about. Yeah. <laughs> um so outside of that it's just them being petty yeah it's called apple, apple arcade isn't it apple arcade or something dumb yeah, like that which i never hear anybody using so uh but we'll see what happens with that so uh what else you got well the last thing they have to talk about is microsoft announced a huge free-to-play weekend for this weekend august 6th to 10th now normally they'll do like one two maybe sometimes three games but this time we're getting 10 games that you're going to be able to play for free over the weekend. Uh, the full list is Call of Duty Modern Warfare with the multiplayer only August 7th to 10th, Gears 5, Black Desert, Dragon Ball Fighter Z, Monster Hunter World, Elder Scrolls Online, Tamriel Unlimited, Borderlands 3, but that's only through the 6th to the 9th, Subnautica, Naruto to Baruto, Shinobi Striker, and Ark Survival Evolved. That is quite the list and quite the diverse list of games that you can try for free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, just to attach a piece of news to this, um, they did announce that Halo Infinite's multiplayer is free to play, which I think is yep. crazy. Um, Not really. I mean, this is something I know we've, I forget it's been a really long time, but I know we've talked about it on the podcast to where if you look at the Venn diagram between the people that only play multiplayer for Halo and only play the story for multi for Halo. Those are very very divergent paths. That that combined group that does both is super super thin. So this actually is, you know, a good thing for the multiplayer fans because they get the game for free and Microsoft gets a ton of goodwill. And this is a good thing for the single player fans because they don't feel like they have to buy a multiplayer game for when they want the single player experience. Mhm. One one interesting thing to tie into that as well is, okay, if you're going to buy Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, you will get Halo Infinite because it will be on Game Pass, and that gives you multiplayer anyway. So well, you would have multiplayer regardless if you had Xbox uh, Game Pass Ultimate or not. Yeah, yeah, and then you'd, you'd still get... Even if Halo wasn't... Even if Halo Infinite's multiplayer wasn't free to play, you'd get the game on Game Pass, so it would be included anyway so um i think that's that's kind of an interesting little thing there um but uh yeah i I just thought that was really kind of interesting and a bit of an interesting uh choice for them to go down with with uh halo so 
we'll see how that works um but like i said i'm gonna try the story and then kind of go from there so um but yeah microsoft doing all these other free to play weekend stuff i think is is kind of cool um they they like to do that sort of stuff now and again and they've liked to yeah make their services a bit cheaper like with game pass and other stuff i mean how many months has there been where you can either get game pass for one dollar for one month or one dollar for three months it's been quite often so uh as as somebody else pointed out i think on facebook or twitter it seems like microsoft is turning xbox game pass into the like like they're, they're trying to sort of turn instead of focusing on xbox one they're more focused on game pass and kind of turning xbox into a service instead of a console which they tie together anyway because you pretty much have to you, you you're either going to play xbox games on pc or on xbox but yeah i i would kind of go along with that as well that they've tried to essentially turn xbox into a service but then they do still have the console so um what do you think of all of that yeah i mean like i've always said more games in the hands of gamers is never a bad thing and for the people that maybe they're not sold on halo after five uh, this is a good way to get them back into the uh, ecosystem without them having to spend a bunch of money, or literally any money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, let's move into some emails and what's not this week. If you have any thoughts, feelings, questions, comments on video games or anything related to Entertainment Talk, Matthew at EntertainmentTalk.org, Twitter eTalk UK, there's a contact page and information in your show notes. Harrison says my son is 15 and wants to play more mature games at what age would you recommend and um sorry what at what age would you recommend um him start playing mature games basically uh i mean me and robert can't tell you as a parent what age to give the go ahead for i suppose because it's you have to make that decision as the parent um but you know games have rating systems for a reason and once they get to the particular age they can start playing those games. Uh, if it's an R-rated, 18-rated game like Gears of War, he'll have to wait until he's 18. Um, if it's a more mature-rated game, then he just has to kind of go go by that way, I suppose. So, I mean, yeah, I'm not going to sit here and kind of tell parents, it's like, okay, you, you can let your kid do this and that and whatever. You have to make that decision as a parent. But, um, I mean, 15 is kind of a, a mature age in some way, shape, and form. There is certain... Um, games out there that he can play certain 15 rated games and, and everything but um yeah age ratings are out there for, for a particular reason so i guess you just kind of follow those i mean i'm not a parent myself so i can't give personal advice on this but uh what do you think yeah that's one of those decisions to where you have to know your kid well enough to know whether or not they can handle that yeah yeah and like what what's what type of violence and language can they handle and uh yeah you just you have to base that decision yourself more as a as a parent so um but there is guidelines out there for you if you need them as well um raymond says been thinking about game pass and xbox series x um is it just me or does it seem like game pass is more the actual platform we kind of actually already talked about this uh platform Mm -hmm. for xbox in general moving forward and therefore the push for the series x um sorry let me read this let me read this email again been thinking about game pass and xbox series x is it just me, or does it seem like Xbox Game Pass is more the actual platform for Xbox in general moving forward, and therefore the push for Series X is on the specs 
so the power of the console terabytes and whatnot instead of the exclusives um i kind of agree with raymond here um because they have given this whole big thing about like the family of xbox the family of consoles we're not going to hold you back you don't have to buy series x to play those games because they're going to be on xbox one which i think in two to three years they might have to change that because they're going to start getting held back in a certain way um but yeah i mean in terms of what they're doing with game pass they have kind of moved that to be in the platform instead of the console but the actual push for selling the series x has been more on you know uh the load times and the save states and all this other stuff that they've talked about so uh that's been more about what the push for the series x has been instead of like okay you can only play this game on series x you can only play this game on series x uh it's just been a bit of a different approach uh what do you think yeah and that's been their whole philosophy for not the longest time but definitely since uh, phil spencer took over because mm-hmm. if you remember we were talking about that one e3 to where the microsoft is up on stage and then just randomly out of nowhere a chiron on the bottom says that original xbox games backwards compatible on uh xbox one and i yeah. was just like wait did i just meet misread that did i have a stroke or something mm-hmm. and they've always been if you buy the game you can always play the game because that is from their pc background yeah. And as far as the specs, I mean, yeah, they're they're pushing the the new hotness, but I would be more concerned if they weren't pushing the new hotness. I'd be really concerned if like, oh yeah, uh, here's a Series X, but it's you don't really need that. It's not that good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that's here's more this of a console Don we Matrix. put loads of money into, but you don't really need it. Yeah. 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 I mean, maybe if Don Matrix came back to the company, but they yeah. they clearly want to go with the better hardware specs, which is why. And I again, I don't know this for sure, but I'm guessing they discontinued the One X and the all digital because they're trying to clean up their SKU. So you've got, uh, I obviously you can't buy an original run Xbox anymore. So you got the One S and then the Series X. So they're just you know cleaning things up. But you know, as someone who just recently, within the last couple of months, did a massive processing jump from my old computer to my new computer. It matters. It matters quite a bit. And they're clearly going on the power side of it. So, And they're just doing the same marketing that they did with the X of, you know, runs better on this, runs better on this, but you can still play it on that. And they're not locking you out as Sony will eventually do, not in a malicious way, just in terms of, you know, this is new, tar- this is new tech, this is new hardware. It just won't run on that. Um, I really do wonder... In in like two to three years, let's say we may get like Gears of War six or something in like two to, in like two to three years, or we get the next the next bunch of Forza games or whatever. There's there is gonna be a point where some of these newer games are just gonna. I I kind of I wonder what developers are gonna do because at the moment, yeah, you can maybe get away with like okay, this game can run on Xbox One and on Series X, but eventually when developers want to put more and more and more into these next-gen games um and then they want to try and put them on xbox one and xbox series x there's just going to be too much of a gap eventually so i i i do wonder what they're going to do with that i think they'll just do what they always do um they just gear it for x and then it'll just automatically get scaled down because the engineers at microsoft are really good at doing that like if you buy uh a original run xbox game it runs and looks very well on on the um 
on the Xbox One. It, it doesn't. It's not like a full HD remake, mm-hmm. but it gets up-resed enough, enough to where you don't regret making the purchase, and you look, and it looks much better than it did on the original run. Yeah. So we'll see how they handle that. But I just have questions about that. Uh, mm-hmm. Keisha, sorry, Keisha writes in. Lastly, the last thing for the show. What potential or rumored next-gen games are you looking forward to? Um, for me, I'm really curious about this next Batman game and what Rocksteady's doing with seemingly Suicide Squad and what the hell this Harry Potter game is. I'm I've really had my eye on. Well, they haven't shown anything for me to have my eye on for a few years, but what is Warner Brothers doing with these three games? Um, I'm really interested in obviously things like you know if when GTA 6 comes out eventually and uh, all, all these other games and whatever you know Naughty Dog does next and and that sort of stuff. But for games that are a little bit more hidden and rumored and talked about but seemingly out there, those are the those are the three I'm really kind of interested in. Um, how about you? I mean, there's a couple. The ones that we saw on the last big uh, presser um, kind of jumped out at me. Uh, Sony Santa Monica is working on something. We don't know what it is. There's bound to be a new Bioshock. We don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. Um, anything in the Mass Effect universe that makes me forget about Andromeda, that's potential. Um, what was that one game, the kind of the fantasy game from Bethesda where it uh, had the arrows flying all over? I don't know. Let me see if I can find it here real okay. quick. Bethesda hasn't uh, really been on my mind, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, that's just emerge. Hmm. No, no. But there was... I can't remember. I mean, obviously not Starfield or... Um, no, it wasn't Bethesda. It might have been Obsidian. Hang on one second. Was it the game Dude. they showed last week? That you're Avowed. About? Yeah, that's Avowed. what we're talking yeah. about. Avowed. That one kind of caught my eye a little bit, but that's one of those things that I just... I'm going to need more information on, but... I mean, all the games that I'm hyped for are known to the point to where we know we're going to get them relatively soon. So I don't really have any answer past that. Yeah. But in terms of developer who I'm most looking forward to next, Naughty Dog, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be a little bit of time because they literally just released Last of Us Part 2. Um, factions could be interesting. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, I did, I did a whole episode on them a couple of weeks ago. You can go listen to that. But um, yeah, from Crash, Jack, Jack and Dexter, Uncharted, Last of Us, they've they've just pulled out all the stops. So, um, and wh- whether it's a, I'll I'll keep following them. Whether it's a new IP or a Last of Us three or Uncharted five or, I mean, it won't be a new Crash because Activision's got that. But wh- whatever it is, I'll I'll at least be keeping my eye on it. So, um, that's that's the developer at the top of my list at the moment. So. Uh, and that's it for the show. Thank you all very much for listening. Um, I, I'd like to kind of work this out a little bit on, on the podcast. We might as well because it does concern the audience. Um, my next two weeks... Uh, well, you, you next week, you're moving. Yeah, so I don't know if I'm going to be able to podcast or not. So Okay. my um, I've got some family coming around from Friday next week to Wednesday. So basically, not next week, but the week after. I don't think I'll be able to record because I'll have some family around, and it'll be like Thursday or Friday by the time we could potentially do a podcast. Not next week, the week after on Thursday. Um, if not, maybe Friday. Uh, depends when certain things happen and that. But they will they will basically be gone by Thursday morning. So potentially 
this time no, not this time two weeks time um on thursday is uh is maybe a good shout for that but next week we'll have to maybe figure things out a little bit because the only day next week i won't be able to do will be um friday i think so we'll see but uh, we'll work that out if we do have to maybe miss a week and then catch up with things the week after on that thursday uh we shall see do you know two weeks on thursday if you'll be good for that i should assuming i can get my internet going so Okay, we'll we'll let you all know what we do in that. I'll update everybody on Twitter and stuff. So, uh, speaking of Twitter and the website and all that, you can find everything that we've got on entertainmenttalk.org. Um, just, by the way, the, the weeks after that, we should be fine and, and things like that. Because Robert's, basically, Robert's moving. I've got family coming around and things like that. So, um, there's just things going on. So, uh, But in the meantime, you can find everything that we've got on entertainmenttalk.org. Um, if you would like to follow us, follow us on Twitter for those updates, uh, Twitter, eTalkUK, uh, Patreon, we are on there. You can have a look at the $1 and $3 level tiers for review and ad-free podcast options. Um, so have a look out for that. Uh, for everybody else, you can find, um, me and David on iTunes. Of course, if you search for Entertainment Talk or Geek Town on iTunes, you can find those. Uh, Geek Town is for your up-to-date and reliable TV and film news. Geek Town Radios on Tuesdays. Um, you can also find that on geektown.co.uk. So have a look out for all that. Uh, Bex is currently streaming on Twitch. You can go and follow her. Subscribe to her. Trista Bites. That's Trista. Trista B Y T E S. I've spoken way too much in the last two days. Uh, Trista B Y T E S. Um, so Trista Bites for that. Go and follow her. Subscribe to her for all the chatter and gaming stuff over there. Barry is still doing horror podcasts over on Talk and Stalk, so you can go and have a look out for those. In fact, he did a new episode today talking about his most, his and Samuel's, uh, Samuel is his co-host, uh, the, their most anticipated upcoming horror films. Some of which were supposed to be out by now, but they weren't. Um, but uh, you can go and listen to that as well. That's Talk and Stalk on YouTube, uh, so have a look out for that, for Barry. Um, word of mouth, you can tell people that you know about the website and the iTunes feeds and everybody else's stuff. Social media, Facebook and Twitter. And if you can, in different Facebook groups. I'm streaming currently Ghost of Tsushima on Twitch. And then eventually New Game Plus for Last of Us Part 2. Uh, we need to arrange when to do the um, Fall Guys uh, Let's Play. Because I've heard endlessly good things about that game. Um, that's this month's uh, PS Plus game, isn't it? So um, I've got it added mm-hmm. to my library. I just need to download it if I've got space. <laughs> but we'll we'll figure that out at some point. This PS Plus game is not going to go anywhere. So... Uh, We'll figure that out. Uh, I think that's everything. Thank you all very much for listening. And we will see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.